0: I'm getting better at like hitting all the buttons I forgot to hit before we started the show during the intro music, you know, like recording and the important things about putting a podcast together, recording the podcast. I was like, whoops, I didn't even open up the program. I got the whole thing done during the intro music. That's amazing. Bucks in the basement. My name's Chris. He's Craig. Uh, I'm imagining we're going to talk about Gary Sanchez. Uh, I'm imagining we're going to talk about Pakoda Projections. And I'm imagining we're going to talk about how the Royals can afford a nearly $300 million contract and Bob Nutting throws around nickels like they're manhole covers. So which one do you want to get into first, my friend? I mean, it's got to be the first, uh, the last one you mentioned. So the the first one on the bottom of our
1: screen here is my, I, I don't know. I think everybody has the instant reaction and, you know, people put out the hot take of, you know, the Pirates can't spend like the big market Royals. And, you know, ha,
0: ha, ha. <laughs> I love that, though. I love it. You have every right to be that way. You have every right as a fan to be that way. Like, I I, I know that somebody's going to be like, oh, well, let's be reasonable. And every situation is different. But come on now. These guys are all billionaires that own these teams. Did you see? Uh, did you see what the Orioles sold for? Give yeah. me a break. You know, we talk about it all the time in Forbes magazine. Jerry Reinsdorf, whose own fan base in Chicago, thinks he's cheap was rated in Forbes magazine right next to Bob Nutting who spends what a third of what the White Sox spend every year and he's got the same amount of money he's got a ticket to the magical island of billionaires where they hunt the the most dangerous game like <laughs> they, give me a break they all got their own aircraft uh, it, it's it's funny to me when when major league baseball owners cry poor but what they're really crying is cheap they're they're really crying greed They're really crying, I have this play thing, but I don't want to spend the money on it. And they're never going to spend the money they have. And that's the thing. That's what's so funny about this. You see a number like, you know, $1.25 billion a team being sold for. You know That money will never be spent by the people that just made it. You couldn't spend a billion dollars if you spent (laughs) every waking moment of your life trying to spend it. It's like Brewster's millions, remember? He had millions. And every time he spent it, he kept making money inadvertently. Like, you can't get rid of a billion dollars. And so, like, to me, when you think about a billion, too. When you think about a billion dollars, right? Like, uh, spending an extra $50 million on your payroll. And just taking that out of your bank account and operating at a loss, you' you're not even denting your billion or your four billion dollars that you're worth. You're not even denting it, right? And so it's it's funny like you get small business owners that'll sit there and scrape together every dime that they have, go out and get a loan, you know and and, and start something and hope that it works out because you got to spend money to make money. These guys have so much money they could spend money, build a champion. And then all of a sudden be the darling of their geographical area, have brand new stadiums built, statues everywhere, be beloved by people all around. And they'd make back that investment within the next five to 10 years and more. And they're so cheap holding on to their billions of dollars that some of them won't do it. So I think the criticism is completely warranted. Because the criticism was warranted when Royals fans were mad at the Royals for being one of the few teams that had never spent more than $100 million on a ball player. Because up until then, they had never given out a contract that totaled more than $100 million. Now the only two teams left on that list, surprisingly, are the White Sox and the A's. I mean, I I saw that stat and I was like, really? Like, that's crazy to me. But, but that's the reality. So I think fan bases that get mad at their ownership, including Pirates fans, have every right to make that comparison. Because it's a joke that these billionaires will cry poor and keep the cost down. And and to be honest with you, I believe it's all collusion. I believe a certain group of billionaires keep the cost down because if they all raise their prices, then teams like the Yankees and Dodgers would have to spend 800 million dollars on a payroll very soon. They need the cheap owners to keep everybody in check. It's all part of a system that probably they come up with inside of some room that's really nice looking, but buried under the ground three miles deep, and they. They go down there and they hide and they plot. That's what I believe.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to lick some boots here for a second, according to a bunch of people, but I, I'm going to take now lick the,
0: some boots. You boot licker.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to take the, the opposite thing here. Cause, cause number one, I mean, Ken Rosenthal came out with an article and just basically said, this isn't an outlier. This isn't because of the new stadium. And, and there was like another reason. And he's just like, if you think this you're wrong and people are like, Oh man, Ken Rosenthal. And I'm like, Oh, you mean Ken Rosenthal, the guy that carries water for every single agent and every single like, and the MLBPA right. he like makes constantly, his money.
0: he makes his money, essentially working for MLB and all the agents. They don't pay him directly, but he does get a trickle down effect. Trust me. He has benefited greatly by being a friend.
1: Okay, and number two, number two, the second thing here is the structuring of this deal. You can put this giant number out there and and, and basically wow people. So what is it? Eleven years, two hundred and eighty eight million dollars, and then they talk about like the club options that it could go up to just an absolute ridiculous amount of money. Number one, Bobby Witt Jr. this year is going to make two million dollars next year he's going to make 7 million dollars 2026 13 million dollars 2027 he is making 19 million dollars so it's not even until 2028 that a lot of this even kicks in and two things for me here the one big thing that sticks out for me is chris when is when does this cba expire this current cba
0: i don't remember why why you hit me with why you hit me with questions like that
1: okay it it expires midnight december 31st 2006 so when it kicks in to 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 the night I mean, 2026 yeah, yeah so, but mid, no midnight uh December 26th. 2000 so basically when it turns to 2027 you you're gonna have to restructure all of that for me, it, it was just like, uh, OK, it, it doesn't really start hitting the big money when I believe that we are going to have either a lockout or a new CBA that comes in. When you see teams like the Boston Red Sox, you know, cutting their payroll, you see teams frustrated like the like the Toronto Blue Jays who were, you know, foiled by the the mighty Dodgers for uh, to show. Hey, Ohtani, you see. Um, the Cubs, who I mean, I think they will go out and spend a decent amount of money, but you see them not spending as much money. You see uh, the, I think it was the Yankees over the past couple years have been basically trading players to dip below a lot of that stuff. So you have the Dodgers, and you have Cohen, who's just a, a recluse who's going to spend like I would spend if I owned the Pirates and had that much money, and, and everybody else is kind of cutting costs. So it just kind of, it was it was interesting to me that once things would actually start to kick into a lot of money, that that's when I believe there will be some increased revenue sharing, different st- type of stuff like this. Yes, these contracts will be guaranteed and grandfathered in, but there will be more revenue sharing at that point in time. So in essence, to me, this is a seven-year, $148 million contract, which is still a, a big contract. But it's nowhere near like the amount that you know everybody makes it out to be that the Royals just yeah, basically but you're in it.
0: you're putting you're putting an awful lot of what ifs in there. You don't know how the negotiations will go when they get to their CBA. You don't you don't have any idea how Bobby Witt Jr. is going to perform, right? Like yeah. he can opt out, but what if Bobby Witt Jr. falls on his face, or what if he suffers an Achilles injury in 2030? And he's like, well, I'm not opting out for the next four years. And it really does turn into all that money. And he actually only plays for seven, and he makes $288 million. That's a lot of what-ifs, right? Like, you're trying to give the Royals the, the ability to see into the future and then sign a deal that somehow they're going to make out on. They're on the hook for 288, Unless well, Bobby Witt Jr. thinks he can get more than $35 million a year in his age 31, 32, 33, and 34 seasons. That, you don't even know where he's going to be at that point.
1: Well, a piece so, of this, Chris, is in, injury would be, would be an out for both of them because 99% of these contracts are insured based on injury. It's not based on performance. So okay, take away injured, injury. Take
0: away injury. He turns into Cody Bellinger. Take away injury, and he forgets how to hit all of a sudden. Okay. Right? I mean, like, th- there's plenty of ball players. That get hot and then fall off. There's a lot of guys that don't make it all the way until they're mid thirties performing at a high a high average. And and that's the thing. Your prime years are when you're 26, 27, 28 years old. Yes. General decline begins in the at 29 and 30. So you think that when his salary's going up and his skills are declining, he'll get more than 35 million a year and opt out? I mean, depending on—I mean, we've seen, like, dude, with inflation, a contract right. that it,
1: that seven if years from now, gets, if inflation
0: gets—if inflation gets this that bad, I, I'm getting into bank robbing because I can't keep <laughs> up. Honestly, I mean, like, I—I I, I mean, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying is like, hey, these look like big gaudy numbers, but you don't know what baseball players are going to be getting play getting paid in ten years. Okay, yeah. I get that, right? I get that, but man, I. That seems to me like what you're trying to say is that you think that the average major league baseball player is going to see double the salary in the next seven years, across the board, for the for those numbers to make sense.
1: Well, I, I, I don't, just I, I, I just don't, don't know. If, I don't know if it'll double, but I I think that like a a, a player of his caliber could make like I don't know forty five million dollars. Forty
0: five million a year. You think he'd be worth? Oh my gosh. I just can't. Well, I'm, just imagine. Say, I'm
1: just saying, certain players. I'm just saying, certain players would make 45 million, where 35 million wouldn't look as bad. Right. But I mean, so this, I know there's a lot of what ifs in there and and a lot of different stuff. I honestly don't believe that the Royals are going to be paying for much beyond probably like 20 2028 2029 once it gets up into the 30 well, million dollar. I mean, range. based
0: upon your based upon your economic outlook for Major League Baseball, as soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to go upstairs. I'm pulling my eight year old out of school. And I'm hiring him a personal trainer. <laughs> and he's only gonna take ground balls and 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 work on his swing. And in the evenings he'll he'll work on basic pitching. I don't wanna I don't wanna get him his first Tommy John until he's at least 22, 23 years old. He's
1: is he he's lefty? He's gonna be, as, he, dumb a, he, he he be as dumb as
0: a box of rocks, but he is gonna make some money in life. Is he is he a lefty or is he a righty? He's a righty, but I'll tie his arm behind his back. I think we can retrain him. <laughs> okay, I say, I got... Because based upon your economics, that's I'm stupid not to do that right now. Like, yeah. I mean, he might, he might have to go to therapy for the way that his dad changed his childhood and basically made him start working at the age of eight years old, but he can afford the therapist with all that money yeah. that you're given out in seven, eight, nine years, because by, by the time he's 18 years old, 10 years from now, by your math, he's going to come out to a minimum salary of like $8 million a year. Yeah,
1: I mean, and we will see like what contracts look like. I mean, I think that I, he's a younger version of of what I'm talking about, but we'll see how much you know Juan Soto gets next year and where the contracts go up and how, and of, obviously how they'll be structured as well. With kind of you know Sh- Otani kind of throwing that to the wolves, but I mean, my last point and and the last boot that I will lick today is it is very funny that this contract comes out. At this point in time, when in about, I believe, 18 days, there is going to be a vote on the Kansas City Royals getting a new stadium, asking for half of the $2 billion that they believe is going to be necessary to build the stadium downtown and that they make this sort of move. It, to me, that it, it's like, and here's the thing is we've had David Sampson on before. And as much as people will, you know, criticize David Sampson for his job and and the nepotism of him even being with the Marlins and different stuff like that, the guy has sat in the room. The guy has been in these types of conversations. And he basically said, this is page two of the, I need a new stadium playbook is to sign a contract player to a contract for an ungodly amount of money and to backload it. I mean if this would have been say if it would have been a seven year you know 148 million dollar deal or just say even say 140 million dollars and it was 20 million dollars a year it may look a little bit different but the way that this is structured is that it's just basically like as we you know get our new stadium because a lot of other people are saying, well, you know, a Sherman, who's the owner of the Royals, well, he's only been the owner of the Royals for the past, I think it's since 2019, 2020, came in, gave uh, Salvador Perez a, a little bit of a bump. Uh, he got a, a extension that was the, the, uh, the largest before this, didn't top 100 million, but for a 31 year old catcher, guy got like 80 some million dollars. Then he makes a move like this. And then he is getting a vote for a new stadium. I mean, the guy's not dumb. And I kind of like trust David Samson on that, that this is pretty much what teams have done. The Pirates did it prior to PNC Park. Um if you're a White Sox fan, if if Jerry Reinsdorf wants to build his his monument wherever it's going in the West Loop or I don't even know what it is, someplace there. I should know. It's it South Loop. It's in the South, South Loop. Because my wife's uh, from there.
0: Dinner. It's in a crappy neighborhood in the South Loop. It's 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 the ultimate gentrification. Like all of a sudden, they're going to go in there in this empty, dirty, so, terrible lot area and build their own neighborhood. So and they're who's, calling who's, it the so seventy eighth because it would be the it'd be the seventy eighth neighborhood in Chicago. They're going to literally build a neighborhood where there's nothing but railroad tracks and uh, and crime. You know, and, and lots of needles probably laying in the grass. Like, that's where they're going to build this thing. So,
1: so if you're Colson Montgomery, you're hoping you make it to the, the bigs this yeah, year. You want want and, and you yeah, you want to be Bobby Wood Jr. And you want to be Bobby Wood Jr. and get right. that big deal, and then the White Sox are Under your we'll theory, that's what you party. want to
0: be. Yeah. yeah, under your theory, that's what you want to be. You want to be Colson Montgomery right now, their big prospect, who's going to be coming up. <laughs>
1: If you ever see me out and about in pittsburgh you will always recognize me and not just because of the white beard but also because of the why that is always on top of my head the hat i always wear the Yins brand proud partners with bucks in the basement three dynasties one brand Yins. finally one brand to rep all black and gold follow at shop Yins for new merch drops and giveaways order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high-quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a
0: Yinzer. By the way, did you see my uh, did you see my fantasy baseball trade that I made? This, did, you, uh, during... did you make,
1: did you, did you get, you got the Otani deal done, didn't I, you? I, I've been after, working After on my our fantasy. winter meetings, after our winter yeah. meetings.
0: But during the winter meetings, the move that I made, was to flip um, a a high-end catcher in Francisco Alvarez uh, for Jason Dominguez. But what I did in that prospect flip is I moved up five spaces in our fantasy draft. You have the number one overall pick, and I have now moved up to the number two overall pick. You're taking Yamamoto, and Paul Skeens is coming to my team because I am hyped on him right now. I really am. I'm hyped on him. I know he's going to break my heart. (laughs) <laughs> but I am hyped for him. I'm hyped for what the Pirates have. And I'm hyped for what this team is. It's on the cusp. I think of something big. I wish the owner would open up his wallet just a little bit more. I'd love to see a couple more signings here before spring training. I'm hoping that when the music stops and some of these players don't have chairs, they look over at the Jolly Roger and they say, yes, this is where I want to go. Because I'm hyped for Paul Skeens. I look at this rotation and I say to myself, ooh, it's going to look good if he comes out ready to go it's going to look good when he comes showing, uh, showing up in June, right, or July, and finally walks in walks onto this team. And I'm betting on that long-term on my fantasy team making the move that I made because I have become – like, I'm taking him over Wyatt Langford, who's got all of that – like, right now, that'd be the other guy I'd be grabbing because, you know, it's a dynasty league, so you're looking for that young, big talent that's coming out. And that guy's hyped like crazy. I see Juan Soto comparisons for him. And I'm going Skeens. I moved up in the draft just to get skeins. and so that probably means he's going to blow out his arm in a week. And if he does, it's my fault. <laughs> it's, your fault. it's my fault, Pirates fans, if, if that happens. Yeah, well, that's how much I believe in him.
1: Th- right they'll now. be coming to your house with the uh, the the pitchforks and everything, right. and the torches. <laughs> they won't be going to Bob Nutting anymore. They, they'll be coming for Christmas. They'll Kristen be coming Nudie. to
0: me because I believed in him so much that I made that deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I'm, Meanwhile, who's who's going to be receiving? pitches from him when he gets up here do you think it's going to be Gary Sanchez I find it interesting that like when I read reports it's Gary Sanchez has interest from four or five teams but they always mention the Pirates and they really don't mention anybody else which makes you wonder why the Pirates are being are, are being talked about so much and I also found it interesting during our fantasy baseball draft that there was a trade made by you in which you dumped Henry Davis because you're like, I don't know if he's ever going to be a catcher. Oh, no, no. I grabbed
1: Henry Davis.
0: Oh, you grabbed Henry Davis. The other guy thought he was never going to be a catcher, and he didn't believe it. You went out and got Henry Davis in a trade this weekend in your fantasy league, so you're a Henry Davis believer. Did you grab him because you think he's a catcher, and do you still think he's a catcher if Gary Sanchez signs for like a three-year deal?
1: Well, for for my big thing is that I've always believed in Henry Davis's bat. Um, I think his bat will develop. So as far as our dynasty league goes, we don't get you know we don't get any points for the defensive run saved or blocking right. or framing or anything like that. But so, you want him to get
0: like ten games in a catcher a year so you can use him as a catcher.
1: Yeah, I I, I wanna basically be able to fill my catcher, <laughs> you know, position with that. So I mean what's he what's he have to do? Like play like five games or something or ten games? like you said five and, in season. I, no, five,
0: I think it's I think I think it's five in season, but it's gotta be twenty. From the season before. So you just like him to get 20 games in so you don't have to wait for him to get five in season because that could take forever. So you want you want him to just get 20 games a year at catcher. And then you know the, the you know going into the next year he's your catcher. And, and you know, I and think I, I think that he's a very intriguing backup catcher option. We talked about this. We talked about yeah. the idea that having flexibility of moving a guy in from the outfield to play catcher every once in a while. I just don't know if the pirates are gonna go ahead with that plan. It is kind of a revolutionary thing. You do see some teams do it in the short term. I mean, we've talked about MJ Melendez out with the Royals and how he was an outfielder. We you could talk about Wilson Contreras, who was an outfielder for the Braves for a while, and then eventually moved he got himself used to being a catcher. And now he's a highly ranked young catcher that was acquired via trade and by the I want to say the Brewers have him now. And 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 that guy, like, he he's a legit top 10 catcher maybe in baseball. And at first they didn't even want to put him behind the plate.
1: Yeah. And Chris, I mean, we've talked about Henry Davis. I I feel like, like ad nauseum here, but the two things that like kind of come out to me is, I mean, we talked about whether or not like the, the pitch framing and and different stuff like that. I mean, some of it is still going to matter, but if, you know, you get the automated balls and strikes it, it, it coming in, uh, sooner rather than later then then who knows what that means um the other piece is that I mean we've also talked about you know he went from catching two innings in the major leagues last year is that even going to equate to you know him splitting time between him and Jason DeLay and do you really want I mean as much as I love Jason DeLay they love him defensively offensively you know (laughs) he's not great um do you want them splitting time and each catching you know 80 games a year or would you want to have you know more of the you know Gary Sanchez is your starter uh, Henry Davis is your backup and you know Jason Delay who kind of seems to be like a guy that he's like one of those those baby like darlings where no matter what he hits it finds grass somewhere so as a pinch hitter and somebody's personal catcher um, I don't know, but I mean, the biggest thing is that the Andy Rodriguez injury just kind of threw this whole thing for a loop. We wouldn't even be having this discussion, but even at that point in time with, with him there, they were still talking about even prior to the injury, talking about Henry Davis catching. So I I still think they were going to carry three catchers. If you can upgrade the offensive catcher, hopefully Henry hits we know that Gary Sanchez can hit, because even when he has down years, um, even last year where he kind of bounced around.
0: Well, he's a he's a low average guy, but he's going to have an OPS over league average generally. Yeah, like what was his OPS plus last year? One sixteen, um, except for the f- couple games that he had with the Mets that brought him down to one thirteen. But basically with the Padres the whole year, he's at he's at one sixteen on his OPS plus um he's had other years where he's above it he he had actually had a couple slow years um towards his end of time in new york and his one year that he had in minnesota and then he kind of had a resurgence last year the problem is he's a guy who's going to hit in the low 200s and that's gross and it's frustrating <laughs> and i hate it i really do and he's only going to hit about 15 to 20 home runs so a guy that's hitting close to i mean close to 200 about 210 to 2 220 with with about fifteen to twenty home runs, but his his OPS gets him close to the eight hundred level because he's hitting a lot of extra base hits. You know he's he's walking a lot, like he's his on base percentage, all that stuff coming in the in the in the play. Like he's gonna be a frustrating player for you. You're gonna see a lot of O for four days, and then you're gonna see him come up and hit a bomb in a big moment, and you're gonna be like, I love Gary Sanchez. Like he is a frustrating catcher. So I wouldn't want him around long-term, and so I wonder if that's what the hang-up is. Because you would think the Pirates really don't want him around for long, right? Like, they'd love to have him on a one-year deal with a one-year option, a team option.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of the things are, because, I mean, I I did see and and I have heard, um, obviously, with him and I've heard Michael A. Taylor, both that, you know, the offers they are receiving are, are lower than what they want. And obviously, because if they were what they would want, they both would have signed at this point in time. So that's kind of like one of those things where I feel like some people are putting stuff out there that can just become true just because it's, you know, reading the tea leaves. It's, it, you know, if they were getting what they wanted and with him, you know, having signed, uh, I believe it was a minor league deal last year, getting DFA twice, uh, prior to, to attaching himself to the Padres and having a fairly positive year for himself, both offensively and defensively, uh, the big knock on him has always been his blocking. He's, he's a pretty good, you know, pitch framer, which is something that, you know, the pirates enjoy. He's a game caller. His pop time's good. His arm is good. He is getting up there in age. So I don't know if you would want him catching, you know, full time, uh, so i would see him like i said it would almost be like a i don't know a 40 40 20 split but then where does henry davis you know play the rest of the time i mean some of that's going to be at dh but you brought back McCutcheon. do you really i don't think Cutch in- makes
0: it through the year on this team I'm yeah, sorry. we
1: talked about that. Yeah. I don't think
0: Kutch makes it through the year on this team. I think Kutch is a player coach halfway through it, or he's like, you know, they, they, he gets a <laughs> ceremony halfway through the year, sending him off into the into the twilight. I just don't see him having the sustainability to perform at a high enough level to have an everyday job on the team. He either becomes a guy who's like the 26th man on this team while the younger guys are are taking his, his thing, or he's retiring mid-season or being DFA'd. I just don't see how he gets through the whole year.
1: Yeah. And if he gets through the whole year,
0: if he gets through the whole year, it's more than likely that too many people failed at taking his job, than him performing at a high enough level to deserve it. I mean, it'd be more because nobody took it and that would be disappointing.
1: Yeah. And and the thing for me, like just with them is that if you could, if you say you do that, that 40, 40, 20, and you're, you get Gary Sanchez on, I don't know, like a $5 million for this year or, or somewhere around there then you're basically spending less than $7 million and hoping that, you know, you can produce adequately defensively and you get some offense from that position and you're doing what we've kind of talked about with Ben Charrington is, you know, looking for like each position as, you know, needing certain amount of wins from each position and how much you're going to pay for it. I think bringing Gary Sanchez in, um, Improves the team. I mean, it's the same yeah. thing as like uh, no. I you think know, they Har- should have Har- Chapman coming. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's like if you can add him, and, and and looking at this right now, I mean, Chris, as as we're recording, it's eight days until pitchers and catchers report. When people hear this, you still it's need another pitcher. One too. week. You know, you still need yeah. the other pitchers. But yeah. I mean, I, I we talked last week. I said number one for me was us, you know starting pitcher number two was in between second base and outfield, but I would lean more towards second base, but I was war. I was more worried about a catcher. So for me, like this one definitely me- makes sense. And I still think that if it isn't Gary Sanchez, I think it will be somebody. Um It's just, we talked last week there, there isn't a, a ton out there and Gary Sanchez, is it like the quote unquote answer? He's the, the, you know, can we bridge him until we figure out kind of what Henry Davis is? And then until maybe Andy Rodriguez comes back, but that's not even guaranteeing that Andy Rodriguez is going to be a catcher at that point in time. Cause he had Tommy John surgery and he's played right. first base before. So, right. I mean, I think that this would upgrade the team. It would not put so much pressure on Henry that, I mean, obviously Henry will say, I'll take it. Cause that's just, a, he's a workhorse. He would do that but I would rather ease him into this instead of saying, okay, you got, you got to catch two innings in the major leagues last year. Now you're going to catch 80 games. That just really doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah. I want to see, I want to see one more pitcher in that rotation. I want to see Keller Perez, Gonzalez, that other pitcher. And then the fifth spot can be a competition Ortiz, falter, you know, Quinn Priester, maybe, I mean, like whoever Skeens shows up, even though I don't think he starts until, I Maybe mean, like, but you know, have a re- have a reasonable pitching staff when you enter this season because you should be contending this year. And I think that you're just – you're one starting pitcher short. And it'd be nice to add this catcher because you want to have a professional catcher. And, and that right there, I think, makes me start feeling like this is the team that's going to compete, right? Like it'd be great if they added the outfielder too, right? But, I mean, they, they've got so – maybe they just don't have the room. And maybe if they're going to put Henry Davis in the outfield, or they're going to you know move them the DH and have have Cutch move there. Whatever they're going to do, they're going to move guys around. Maybe they don't add that, right? But but I definitely want to see another pitcher. I'd like to see Gary Sanchez. I would start to feel like okay, you've you've had an off now. You've had an off that It makes me see that okay, you you probably can't spend the money that you should be spending because the owner's cheap. But you've at least set yourself up to go to go win something. Speaking of winning, before we get out of here, Pecota projections. Where do they have the Pirates at?
1: Um, they have the Pirates at seventy three and eighty nine finishing. In what place does that put them? That puts them in last place in the Central, uh, approx approximately five games behind the five or six games behind the Brewers and the Reds. Okay, I Louis don't believe the division.
0: I don't believe the Pocota projections. Okay, I don't believe in them because there's a range, right, in the Pachota projections. So what's yeah. the range? What's the high end that they could get? Can you see that on there? Take take a quick gander. I want to make a point here. Okay, there's like it's like a big graph, and it kind of shows like what's most likely to happen. But then there's like then then it's like, but it could be this, and it could be this. And in reality, what they do, Pocota will give you like a 20 game spread, right?
1: Yeah. So like,
0: they, what what do they have them at as their actual pro- projection? The actual 70, projection
1: is is 73.
0: Right. So I bet you that they spread that too. It could be as high as 85.
1: Um, right now, it, it definitely looks like that it, it could be as high as, as you're right on at 85. Yeah,
0: right, because that's how Pocota does their thing. It's a generalized prediction model that is set up in such a way that at the end of the year, if they're wrong, they can say, well, technically, we were right. It was inside that big, giant range. I mean, I could do that right now. Lanuti projections <laughs> have the Pirates at 77 wins, give or take 20 in either direction. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, guaranteed to get be right. That's my project, Lanuti projections. That's what that's what the Lanuti projection model has it as. Lanuti and, projection and, and model has it said seventy-seven wins, give or take twenty.
1: And I think most models
0: would show it within that. Because then I mean, you get, if you go to Vegas, most models would give there. everybody that. Everybody's in that range except for the Dodgers. Yep, yep. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say